Bibles, you can stand with me this morning. Colossians chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 5, but we'll expand our text a little bit this morning. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. How many glad you're saved? How many are living like it? Amen. Glory to God. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil confuscations, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. And that put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But thank God, Christ is all and in all. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the time of worship we've already experienced and through the singing of the hymns and the special music, the worship during our offering time as well, Lord. And God, we're not finished yet because we want to honor you in everything we do. Challenge, challenge us today. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people say, Amen. You can be seated. Our new life in Christ. The day you got saved, and we preached on this already a couple weeks ago, we became new creatures in Christ. And one of the things that happens is involving putting off the old man. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verses 21 and 22, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. There was a time as unbelievers, and this is true for all of us, we lived in darkness and sensuality. And now, as believers, we are taught something new in Christ. A whole new manner of living. And this manner of living should leave behind the old manner of living. Now realize that Paul is writing here a letter to the church at Ephesus. He's speaking to us. But please understand, this is the Word of God. Inspired, God-breathed, and directed Paul what to write. And so Paul says to the believers and to us, 
believers in. We have to make a decision. We must decisively put off the old man. Paul is talking about the old self. Sometimes translated the old nature. And this describes every one of us before we came to Christ. Before we were saved, before salvation, we were enslaved to sin. We were bound to the world. And the Bible says we were without God and without hope. I'm glad that's changed in my life. How about you? That was then. Now, by the way, just to make sure we understand, even though we've been born again, and I hope that you have been, we will still be tempted. We are susceptible to be tempted by all the evils of our old nature. Now, I know I'm going way back. I was in my office this morning, and Nate was trying to give me a, a lesson on... Where did Nate go? What was it, Nate? Catch what? Yeah, whatever he just said. And I'm thinking, whoa. I said, Nate, your papa was way behind. But how many remember, way back, did you ever play King of the Hill? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, you knew the object, right? Guy got on top of the hill and everybody else tried what? Knock him off. And please understand that one time, our old nature was king of the hill. And now that you're saved, you've got a new nature, God's nature. He's now king of the hill. But guess what the old nature is trying to do? He's trying to knock him off. So all of us are subject to temptation of our old life, uh, all of us, okay? And so when the Bible speaks about the old man, uh, it, it's talking about those areas of our life as we lived in rebellion against God. And so the Bible said we have to forsake that former lifestyle. We've got to avoid that. It's like old clothes, we have to shed our identification with a simple past, and now we have to live as children of God. A change in our life. And when the Bible says to put off, it's talking about a daily conscious decision to remove anything that feeds the old self or supports the old nature. Now, in our verse this morning, we just read there in verses 21 and 22 of Ephesians 4, our old self was corrupt. And it was corrupted by our deceitful lust. Now, we preached on lust a week or so ago, and we covered that in quite a bit of detail. So look again in the last part of verse 22, Ephesians 4. Paul said, or the Bible says, the old man, that's the old nature, which grows corrupt, According to the deceitful lust. Before Christ came into our lives, we lived in the futility of our mind. 
Our understanding was darkened. And we were separated from the life of God. Our heart was blind. And we lived our life in uncleanness. Now, by the way, those are not my words. Those are some of the words that Paul used in the previous verses of Ephesians 4. And when the Bible says those two words, grows corrupt, what it's talking about there is a continuous process. And that process will end in complete degeneration and it will end in spiritual death. So like a cancer, that evil nature, unless it's taken care of, that evil nature of old self will spread and it will destroy our walk with God. Now it's interesting. Paul began in verse 21, if indeed you've heard of him, I heard of Christ. And so Paul says, Jesus came to teach you something else. He came to offer you a brand new self. Thank God. But we have to understand, you can't live this life on our own. We must desire the help of Christ. And Lord, you know I need you every day. I need you every day if I'm going to put off the old self. Now think about a person that takes off an old, ugly garment, dirty garment, and he takes it off, or she takes it off, in exchange for something clean and something new. And so as a Christian, as believers, we take off the old, filthy self. We take it off. We put it off. And we exchange it for a brand new, pure self in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something, folks. And I don't mean to be sacrilegious here. That's the best trade I ever made. He took my filthy garments and he gave me a robe of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. I put it off. Now, I've told you, I want to remind you, I am not a Greek scholar. I do have some Greek concordance in my computer, and I can use that. But put off is a single word in the Greek. It's a verb. And it's in the aorist tense. And what it means is, there was a time of a definite act. Whenever it's in that Greek tense of aorist tense, it means it was a definite act. So the day you received Christ as your Savior, you decided, you made a once and for all decision, I am going to put off the old self. I'm tired of the way I was living. I want something new. So the day you received Christ, you put it off. But, when I think about that, even though the putting off took place at conversion, he still wants to be king of the hill. And we still have to resist him. We have to drive out the remaining parts, and we have to do it day by day, day by day, day by day. Now remember, the old man or the old self is a common phrase, and it's used quite often 
throughout the New Testament. Colossians 3, 9. I'll read the verse and come back and make a comment. The Bible says, and that's part of our text here, they lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from now on, we should not serve sin. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now think about this. I read Colossians 3, verse 9. Paul said, we have put off the old man. That's past tense. I read from Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. And the Bible says, the old man is crucified. The old man has died. That is past tense. So the moment we were saved, we made a decision to put off that old lifestyle. But then I read Hebrews 12 in verse 1. And there the Bible tells me that I have to put off the old man. I've got to lay aside those weights. I've got to lay aside those things that entangle me in this race. Anything that holds back, holds me back, I have got to lay it aside. And my friend, that is a daily practice. We have to do it every day of our lives. And I want to tell you, folks, I am so thankful today for the life I have in Christ. It's so much better. I, I, I don't know. Isn't it great to lay your head down at night and know you've been forgiven? Isn't it great to lay your head on your pillow that night and you go to sleep and you think, man, you know what? If I don't wake up here, I'll wake up there. It's going to be all right. Because of the new life in Christ, all because of Calvary, Brother Rick. <laughs> so if we're going to understand the logical conclusion of putting off the old man, we have to begin with understanding the effect the gospel has on our life. And I'm going to be just blunt with you this morning, folks. I don't know how else to shoot but from the hip. If your life has not been changed to the gospel, you're not saved. The gospel changes lives. So we have to understand the effect the gospel has on us. Now, the Bible is very clear. We've already read it this morning. By nature, by nature, everyone was born a child of wrath. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We were hostile toward God. And we were destined 
to experience the wrath of God if our life doesn't change. But in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 4, I love that three-letter word, but. I was dead in my sins. I was dead in my trespasses. I was headed for the wrath of God, headed for a devil's hell. But verse 4 said, but God. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Somebody say amen. I'll never get over the love of God. I'll never get over the fact that he loves me. He knows me and he still loves me. Amen. And don't miss the effect of the gospel. All of us, by nature, we were children of wrath. But God provided a way. Thank God. He provided a way to become a child of His by grace through faith. But God. And everyone who believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ are created anew. We are God's handiwork. Thank God we are His handiwork. And our purpose now is to do good works. Not to get saved. You can't do that. But because we are saved by the grace of God. So we're to put off the old man, and we're looking at our new life in Christ, so we have an old man and the new man. And I want to tell you something, folks. There is a difference between the old man and the new man. And by the way, if you can't tell the difference in your life, other people don't see it, you're not saved. God changes lives. That's why Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Now, by the way, I, I know you've got to pray. I understand that. But salvation is a work of God. So you can tell the difference. So what about the old man? Ephesians 2, look at verses 1 through 3. And you. Now, by the way, he's talking to me. Okay? Put your name in there. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and that's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Notice verse 3. Among whom also we, put your name in there, I did, all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like others. So what was wrong with us? We hear often people in our world, what's wrong with our world? 
What's wrong with what was wrong with me? I tell you what's wrong with our world. Their hearts and minds are rebellious against God. And that's what was wrong with me at one time. My heart and my mind was rebellious against God. Now, by the way, let's kind of think logically here for a moment. After darkened minds and darkened hearts comes darkened behavior. And what do we see around us? How do we used to live? And the question is, what else, what else would an unregenerate mind and minds generate? Nothing else but darkened behavior. So put this equation in your mind. You've got a darkened mind plus a darkened heart equals darkened behavior every time. And we have to understand sin has a narcotic effect on persons and on cultures. I uh, started to go to the doctor probably 10 or, 10 or 12 years ago, maybe a little longer than that. I didn't used to go. And I didn't know I was sick. I went to the doctor. And I, I, I hate to take medication. And uh, now if you give me a, a, a shot, I mean a, chan- a, a choice between a shot and dying, I'll just go ahead and die. I'm probably kidding a little bit, you know, if it got that bad. But I remember just a few months ago, the doctor said, I want to put you on this. I said, this is not narcotic, is it? She said, no, sir, it's not, it's not narcotic. And, but sin is. Sin has a narcotic effect on our lives. And here's the thing about sin. It feels good for a while. Doesn't the Bible say there's pleasure in sin for what? For a season. So it feels good for a while, sin does. But then it begins to break us down. And it deadens us to what is good, to what is right, and to what is true. And if we consider the moral and ethical darkness in our world, we have to remember that kind of behavior is absolutely consistent with darkened, deadened, Hearts and mind. You shouldn't expect anything else. And by the way, when I was a sinner, I give it my best. And the same is true in a darkened world. But now that our lives have been changed, we must, in a loving way, shine the light of God's love and truth on those behaviors. And I want to tell you, folks, Marching and carrying signs won't change hearts, but the gospel will. Sharing the love of God. And church, hear me well. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do not let our culture define your moral standards. So that's the old man. But the new man as well, you can tell the difference. Ephesians 2, look at verse 4 through 10 again. 
We read verse 4 a moment ago. Let's read it again. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he hath loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My heart breaks today for those without Christ. I speak of my dad often. And the sad thing is, as far as worldly goods go, he long, he, uh, he lacks nothing. He has everything he wants. But my dad lives a hopeless life. He's confused. And his heart is filled with darkness. Pam got a call from her sister this week and she married my uncle. I got the better deal when I married her sister. Pam got the better deal when she married me. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But her sister shared how my uncle's got to that point where his, his life is so empty. And my friend, if you don't have God, your life is empty. I don't care how many toys you have, how many things you have. There's a void in our lives that only God could fill. And you see, now that we're born again, as Christians, we should not live our lives hopelessly or confused. Our minds should not be filled with darkness. And our minds should be filled with no sense of shame. I want to say something this morning. There are things in my past I'm ashamed of, but they're under the blood. God has cast them away. And so we shouldn't live in darkness. We shouldn't be confused. We shouldn't live hopeless lives. But we should live according to the truth of God's word in Jesus Christ. And if we're going to do that, we have to put the old man aside. We've got to put off the old man. We have to lay him aside. And those words show the idea of doing away with something. Taking it off and putting it down. We spoke about changing clothes in the morning. 
a great illustration. We put off or lay aside certain clothes. Sometimes the old clothes. And we put on new clothes. Notice the command in verse 23, Ephesians 4. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you don't know it by now, let me give it to you. The greatest battle you're going to have as a Christian is in your mind. In your thought life. So God says to us, he commands us, stop living as the old man. Put on the new man. And to do that, we have to be renewed in the spirit of the mind. Romans 12, look at verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of the greatest things that happens at conversion, your mind begins to change. Your mind is renewed. And this renewal is in direct opposition to being conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the world, but let your mind be transformed. Let you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Now, by the way, I am convinced that's a lifelong process. And for the only way for that to have the effect on your life, you've got to be consistent reading the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. It'll renew your mind. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, please understand something, folks. God created our new self, and He created our new self in righteousness, holiness, and in truth. Ephesians 4.24 And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Thank God. Thank the Lord. It is by truth and a pursuit of righteousness that we must renew the mind. And my friend, the Word of God is the source of that truth. The Word of God is the source of that truth. And as we renew our minds in truth, then we are equipped and better equipped to put off the old self. To put off the old man, the old life, and better equipped to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Thank you, Lord, for that power. So why? Why is it important that we mortify and put off certain things? We spent several weeks in verse 5 alone. Things to mortify. We began today looking at certain things we're to put off. 
Why is that important? I'll tell you why. It's the judgment of God. May May I get your attention this morning for just a moment? God sees everything we do. And God never excuses sin. So why is it important to mortify? Why is it important to put them off? Colossians 3, verse 6. For which things, those things in verse 5. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. One thing you can be sure of, my friend, your sins will find you out. And God knows. Now, the wrath of God, here in our text, is referring to those kind of behaviors we read about in verse 5. It preached on for several weeks. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. And please understand, God does not reveal His wrath arbitrarily. God's perfect nature, His perfect moral nature, will not allow Him to permit sin and wickedness to go unpunished. And just as sure as you're sitting here this morning, those who live their life in disobedience will experience the wrath of God. And my friend, you don't want to do that. And when the wrath of God occurs now, in the present time, in the natural consequences of simple behavior, But please understand, folks, there's going to come a time, the final culmination of God's wrath is coming with a future and final punishment of evil. And by the way, if you want, you want to know what that looked like, look in the last few chapters of the book of Revelation. But my friend, everyone, everyone, who does not know Jesus Christ, will experience the wrath of God. Nobody wants to talk about that. And most people want to go to heaven, but they they don't want to do what it takes to get there. And the sad thing is, people try to get around it. They might try. But my friend, there will be awful wrath, awful punishment for those who have not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. John three thirty six. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth. On him. Let me uh, interject something here. I'd ask your permission, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
One thing that makes my blood boil is when a Christian says, I hope I'm saved. Or when somebody says, preacher, I don't think you could ever know if you're saved. I beg your pardon? If you read the Bible, you can know it. He that believes in the Son has everlasting life. How much plainer can you get? And if you don't, you won't see light. And the wrath of God abides on you. Notice Colossians verse 7 where we were. In the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. Who's he talking about? Tell me you and I, Christians. We used to live that kind of lifestyle. We used to be under the wrath of God. Now, by the way, thank you, Brother Rick, for that song, Thank God for Calvary. Because now, we will not stand at the great white throne. That's judgment for sinners. But we will stand at the Bema, the judgment scene of Christ, for rewards. Because all of my sin, all of my sins were taken care of at Calvary. Amen. Every one of them. So there was a time when all of us were caught up in the world. We weren't concerned about the sins the Bible says to mortify. And we probably didn't know the Bible said that. And you know why? Because we were dead in our sins. But thank God, all of that changed when we came to Christ. We're not having church tonight, so that's just the introduction. Let's stand. Aren't you glad for Christ? Aren't you so glad for Calvary? <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you ought to have a joy down in your hearts, a peace that passes understanding, a life that has direction. And I know there are some who watch me online, and sometimes I have some of my family do. Most don't, but that's all right. And I've got folks in my family that are unsaved. I know you do as well. But this morning I've been preaching to us. I said us because I meant me. We are so blessed to have Christ in our lives. Are you mortifying those deeds of nature that are not pleasing to God? Daily. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ, but you do. Has there been a day in your life, a time when you decide, you know what, Lord? I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Has there been a time that you confessed Him with your mouth? That means you agree with God you're a sinner. Has there been a time when you said, Lord, I believe you died for my sins. Has there been a time you said that? A time when you said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I want you to be Lord of my life.
And Lord, I'm, I'm asking you right now to come into my heart. And Lord, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm, I'm changing direction. It's about face. I was going this way. I'm going to turn and go this way. If there's never been a time you've done that, you're not saved. And if you are still living worldly, if you still have a life of sin, lifestyle of sin, we've been talking about of the last four or five weeks in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. If you're still walking in the old nature, you're not saved. And I want you to know, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of salvation. Don't play games with God. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. And Lord, we realize the price you paid and you did it just for us. Help us, Lord, to live our lives in a way that will honor and glorify you and draw other men to Jesus as Savior. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You need to pray, you can pray.